0: Our sermon series continues in Exodus, and in our passages this morning are from both Exodus 28 and 29. I'm going to be reading that first paragraph found in your bulletin from Exodus 28, 1 through 5, and Pastor Andrew will deal with the rest of it as he preaches along. Please pray with or, uh, read with me. I'll get this right. <laughs> then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel. To serve me as a priest, Aaron and Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother for glory, glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make: a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work. A turban and a sash they shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons to serve me as priests they shall receive gold blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen the word of our Lord please pray with me father God thank you so much for your word We're grateful for its inerrancy and its authority and the fact that it tells us about your glorious and gracious story of redemption and that you reveal yourself to us through it. And I pray that you would do that now uh, through Pastor Andrew as he teaches and proclaims your word. May your spirit enable him, give him a humble confidence in what he's communicating and give him clarity of mind and speech. And I pray that your spirit would Work in our hearts as well, Lord, that you would truly enable us to hear and absorb and apply what you have for us this morning, and that we would go away renewed to, in our priesthoodness, if you will, and to greater uh, acts of faith and obedience. I pray this in your name alone. Amen. Please be seated.
1: For a minute there, I thought Jim was going to talk about our priesthoodie. Uh, That might be a new thing we have to think about. The rule at uh, Lisa Thomas McMillan's uh, Alabama restaurant entitled Drexel's and Honeybee, her name, Drexel's and Honeybee, the rule is everybody eats whether you have money or not. It is one of Alabama's only donation-only restaurants. So she serves roughly uh, 100 to 150 people every lunch hour, uh, between 11 and 1 at this soul food restaurant. And you can uh, put uh, a sufficient amount in the donation box, uh, whatever you want, or nothing at all, but everybody Eats. She is motivated by a desire to serve. Uh, She says, I've learned the joy that you get when you serve others. And don't mistake it, joy is not the same as happiness. Happiness is fleeting, joy is something down deep in your soul. I I was drawn to that as I was studying this week, and I, I am really grateful to just have the opportunity to study like I, I do, week after week. It's such a privilege to study God's Word, and here we are in Exodus 28 and 29, and you know, there's a lot of language and there's a lot of detail regarding these priests. We're coming out of this uh, similar situation regarding the temple, but there is so much richness there. And the, the connection, you know, just the idea that these priests who are called to stand and serve uh, in the, the temple of God, the tabernacle of God, and, and to serve the people of Israel, to point to the realities uh, that we were talking about. You remember last week we said that one of the things about the tabernacle is that the tabernacle was uh, one of God's ways to sort of capture the imagination of this uh, recently freed slave people. Here they are out in the desert, and as somebody pointed out to me this week, a, a desert that was devoid of color. Uh, And and to capture their imagination with all of these beautiful yarns, with all of these uh, beautiful stones, all of these beautiful things, to capture their imaginations, to see the world as God sees it. You know To see the beauty, to see the splendor, to see all of the, uh, all of the uh, creational goodness that is in the world. And remember, last week we said the tabernacle brings us back to creation, helps us to see the, the sanctuary, as it were, that was the garden. It also pushes us forward to revelation, to where we're going, to the, the, you know, the fountain coming or the, the rivers coming down from the throne in the midst of the garden, Revelation 21, and, and it really situates us in the story and, and helps us understand who we are. Today we study the priesthood. These are the people that are, are standing and serving. And we could spend a lot of time uh, on the priesthood, but we're just going to give it one Sunday. But I hope you will see Uh, Just how, in a similar way to the tabernacle, the the priesthood, the the institution of the priesthood wants to capture our imaginations uh, for what it means to live before God even today. Uh, this isn't something that is just relegated to 4,000 years ago or to Old Testament times, uh, but this is something that continues to uh, seek to capture the imaginations of people that are around. So, I want to walk through, I want to spend the first couple of points, glory and beauty, shoulders and heart, really focusing on the Old Testament priesthood. And then when we start talking about linen and blood, we want to see how Christ fulfills the office of priesthood. And, And then that last one, standing and serving, we want to talk about what that means for us in the here and now. So, these, these four uh, four ideas, eight words, I'm doing a lot in the outline this week, you know, more than uh, just three points and three words, but uh, we, 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 we expanded our ideas this morning. Glory and beauty, uh, perhaps you notice that in the passage that Jim read, uh, you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. This comes up again later uh, towards the end, I think it's verse 40 of chapter 28, um this uh, this phrase. And, and perhaps you notice that you know certainly the tabernacle was made to display glory and beauty in the midst of this drab wilderness setting. Uh, the, the priesthood as well uses a lot of the same things. Uh, there are the same yarns, the same colors. there if you study it closely, you see that there is some of the same skill and weaves that are used to make these uh, these colors. and then, there's all of this gold in the same way that gold adorned the tabernacle, gold filigree and uh, all of these different things adorned the priestly garments. There are these precious stones that we see uh, on the shoulders and in the breastplate, uh, and, and all of it speaks to the glory and the beauty that, that God bestows into the world and, and here specifically on people. Uh, so you have the tabernacle that, that displays kind of creation in the world and all of that. But now we come in and, and God says, understand that, that the glory and the beauty rest very clearly on my people as well. And the priest is a representative of that. In some ways, the priest becomes kind of this walking tabernacle uh, that displays God's glory, God's beauty. God's presence, if you remember last week we said 25.8 uh, that the, the tabernacle was the place where God dwells, and so now we see in the person of the priest uh, that God is pointing to, He is promising, He's indicating that not only do I dwell in a, in a building or in a structure, uh, but I also dwell within a person. As you go through and you continue reading some of this, you see other, you know, other indications of exactly what that means. At the hem of the priest's robe, there is this alternating. Uh, pattern of bells and pomegranates uh, and and again indicating just the presence of God why did the priests wear the bells at the hem of their their garments so people knew like they they knew like if they heard these bells there's a priest coming you know God himself I- is in our midst there's a fruitfulness with the pomegranates pomegranates were one of the things that they uh, found in the promised land there's the Fruitfulness of the Lord uh, that exudes through the presence of the p- priest. So the priest, in his, uh, a- a- as he decks himself out, as he as he wears the this intricate garb, the turban, the sash, uh, the breastpiece, the ephod, the robe, the checkered coat. The there's holy underwear even as as the as the priest decks himself. Out in this, he becomes a picture of the presence of God. He becomes a picture of God's glory and God's beauty before the people. So, as they just look at the priests, these are the things that they are thinking. And then as the priest begins to exercise his duties, they're drawn in even deeper. What does the, what does the priest do? Well, let me read this next section, uh, beginning in verse 21. "'There shall be twelve stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved with its name, for the twelve tribes.'" Uh, and then it goes on to say, Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel and the breast piece of his ju- breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And in the breastpiece of judgment you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus shall Aaron bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. Just before this, in uh, beginning in verse 6, around verse 8, uh, you see that there is... Um, Uh, Two onyx stones, verse 9, and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of the names on one stone, the names of the remaining six on the other stone in the order of their birth. Uh, as a jeweler engraves a signet, so shall you engrave them. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree. Verse 12, you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders uh, for remembrance. So, here the priest is, and the priest, you know, is the one who goes into uh, the holy place, and then once a year the high priest goes into the holy of holies, and, and he's clothed in this way, all of this clothes that reminds the people of the glory and the beauty of God, who he is. And then we're told that he has these functions, uh, and, and his functions are uh, primarily to carry the people on his shoulders and on his heart, uh, into the presence of the Lord. Uh, on his shoulders, uh, the place of responsibility, the place of of government. You remember Isaiah 9, when it talks about the Lord Jesus, the prophecy, the the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Uh, Most certainly referring back to this picture of the priesthood and, and what it is that that the priests did as they bear the responsibility of the people, their, their soul care into the presence of God. And, and then each individual tribe is pictured with a precious stone and, and they're pra- placed into this breast piece, and, and it says he brings them in close to his heart. Uh, Now, heart here is not the Disney version of heart, uh, you know, where we follow your heart and it's just your emotions and your feelings. But this is the more holistic Hebrew concept of heart, where it's the it's the core of who we are. It's our will. It's our emotions. It's it's the deepest part of who we are. And, And the picture here is is the priest bringing the people of Israel into the presence of, of the Lord with the core of His very being. And, and this was the call for the priests. The call for the priest was, was to stand picturing uh, God, picturing His glory, picturing the beauty, all of these things, serving the people. By, by taking responsibility for their well-being, for their soul care, if you read forward in Leviticus chapter 10, uh, the, the priests were the ones who were to teach Israel the distinctions between the holy and profane, between the unclean and clean. They were the ones that were to keep Israel safe. Like, that was their responsibility as the priesthood. And they were to do it from the core of their being with, with love in their heart. They were to serve joyfully. They were to serve willingly. They were to serve uh, with, a, with a wholehearted devotion to the task that they were to be given this is really a, a gift, you know, as you, as you see this beaten down, you know, broken spirit, harsh slavery, former idol-worshiping people coming out of Israel. How do we live before the presence of this holy, majestic God? How is it that we are to exist in His presence? God says, I'm going to create a place for you. Uh, where you can be transposed into, you know, the greater reality of your place in the world. And I'm going to give you a people uh, that is going to be dedicated to serving you. I'm going to give you a people that is going to be dedicated to bringing you, on their shoulders and on their heart, into the very presence of God. What a, what a beautiful picture of how God loves His people. What a beautiful picture of how He serves His people. And already you can see how Christ as our great high priest fulfills that to the uttermost. He bears the the responsibility for our cleanliness on His shoulders. He carries us in close to His heart into the Holy of Holies in order that He might make intercession for us. And that's indeed what the priests did as we follow this through. You see that there is a lot of blood, Uh, there's all of this beauty, there's all of this linen. But there's a lot of blood, and there's certainly blood for the priests as well. If you pick up the reading here, uh, we'll we'll read through what I have printed from 29 there and and get a greater sense of how it is then that the priests fulfill this, uh, this duty. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish. Now, think about this. Uh, consecrate, to set apart. And, and this is really important because the priests can't do this on their own. I mean, we're talking about Adab. <laughs> Adab. We're talking about Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. You, you know a little bit of their history. Aaron. In a very short time, before he's even consecrated, is going to facilitate the Israelites' great disobedience with the golden calf in chapter 32. Nadab and Abihu, in in the very early days after they are consecrated, are going to bring unholy fire in before the Lord and they are going to be consumed by God's anger. Eliezer and Ithamar kind of get away. Uh, Eliezer takes up the priesthood after Aaron dies. But the important of consecration. Like, not just a human being in and of themselves can fulfill these offices. Something needs to happen. So this is what you shall do to consecrate them, to set them apart. Take one bull of the herd, two rams without blemish, and unleavened bed, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers uh, smeared with oil. You shall make them a fine wheat flour, Then in the intervening verses, they're washed with water. Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. You shall take part of the blood of the bull and you shall put it on the horns of the altar with your finger. The rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar." you shall take the other ram, Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, you shall kill the ram, take part of its blood, and this is where it gets kind of interesting, you shall take part of the blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and the tips of the right ears of his sons, uh, and on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the great toes of their right feet, and then you shall throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Now, that, that sounds odd you know the tip of the ear the thumb and the toes you know why why is that? well some some uh, have speculated it just sort of encompasses all of the outer extremities uh, of the person and so it symbolizes the totality of the person and if you think about it, it, it it's what we take in it's how we serve with our hands it's where we go with our feet every part of of the priest is to be consecrated to the service of God. Then you shall take the blood that is on the altar and of the anointing oil and you shall sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments and on his sons and his sons garments with him. He and his garment shall be holy and his sons and his sons garments with him. And then skipping to verse 35, the end of this chapter. Thus you shall do to Aaron and to his sons, according to all that I have commanded you, through seven days, multiple sacrifices, multiple bulls, multiple rams, uh, you shall ordain them. And every day you shall offer a bull as sin offering for atonement. And you shall purify the altar when you make atonement for it. And it shall, uh, and shall anoint it uh, to consecrate it, so not only the people but also the altar, the basins, all of these things next week we 're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the sacrifices and, and how they work and sort of the pattern of it, and what we can learn from it today. But for now, again, the consecration, the setting apart of the priests, absolutely necessary. For these people who were human, who were flawed, as we will see, to come before the Lord. But the Lord makes provision for it through the blood of another that was shed. Through the blood of the bulls, through the blood of the rams. And as this blood begins to cover these priests, they are considered to be clean and holy and worthy to come into the presence of the Lord. And and thus it was for for centuries in Israel. Uh, Bloods, bloods, uh, bulls and lambs, you know, sacrificed day after day, uh, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, century after century. You know, we come to Hebrews chapter 10, and, and we, we see that they, the priests just over and over and over uh, were called to make these sacrifices, and every priest stands daily at his service Offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which ultimately pointed to the blood of Christ that would take away for sins, but could never take away the sins in and of themselves. The people would go out, they would sin again, and over and over and over. So much blood. So much blood. You know, Josephus, uh, in talking about. Passion Week of Israel. They've tried to estimate like how many people were in Jerusalem uh, during that particular time. And Josephus, uh, according to uh, scholars, was kind of known. He was a historian, Jewish historian. He was kind of known for inflating his numbers. And he estimates that during the the week of Jesus' death that 250,000 lambs were killed, were offered in sacrifices that week. L- let's just say that he inflated his numbers tenfold. 25,000 lambs killed during the sacrifice that week. They estimate that, you know, just on what it took in order to perform that sacrifice, that it would take 41 straight hours uh, of uninterrupted killing of lambs to accomplish all the sacrifices for just that one week. You think about what this is is picturing and, and the great cost, the great cost that had to be paid for Israel over and over and over and over until we come to the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And this is what is so beautiful here um, about Hebrews chapter 10. It says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. We really come to understand this when we see the the role of the priest, because you think about 41 hours of killing lambs. What is your priestly garment going to look like? It is going to be covered in blood. It is going to be soaked with the blood of the sacrifice. And all of this beauty, all of this glory that God puts into the priesthood is marred by the blood. And that is what is so beautiful about this picture that we see in Revelation uh, that we read as the call to worship this morning. Listen again, if you want, you can turn back to uh, chapter 19 or the beginning, the call to the worship. Uh, Here's what... Here's what John sees. He says, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her, listen, and and, and understand the priestly language that is being used here. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Listen, this is before battle. This is before battle, and our captain goes out in a robe that is soaked in his own blood. And it's by the blood of the Lamb that He conquers His enemies and we conquer our enemies. And while His robe is soaked in blood, our robes are white and pure because of that sacrifice once and for all. This is the beauty of our great high priest. He is not afraid to go into the fray and to be the sacrifice that will end all of that blood, that will end all of our guilt. We'll talk about guilt offerings. We'll end all of our shame. We we don't bear it anymore. We are clothed in linen, fine linen, these priestly garments that are white and pure, that are bright, that speak to the world around us. Nothing would be uh, of greater joy to me than to have those chips like fall into place you know, in your hearts and in your heads to to understand the the beauty of our great high priest who has dipped his own robes in blood in order that we can be bright and clear, clothed in fine linen. And this is what leads us then to uh, this fourth idea, uh, to stand and to serve. Here we have the priesthood that we are talking about, but and this is so, so important. God has always, always conceived of all of His people as priests. You remember, we saw it in our moment of silent meditation, Exodus nineteen. They come to the mountain, they come out of, uh, they've come out of Egypt, bedraggled, beaten down, all of this. God calls to them, thus you shall say uh, to the house of Jacob, tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings, how I brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice, keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak. God repeats this in Isaiah 63, or 61, verse 6, and then when we come to the New Testament, we see this over and over again, that God uses this language of priesthood to talk about who we are. Uh, You look at Revelation chapter 1, again, verse 6, to him who loves us and is freed us from our sins by his own blood, there's that imagery again, and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Or 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, Uh, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, A holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. And again, I think he's talking about Egypt here. Him who called you out of Egypt, out of darkness, and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy But now you have received mercy. When we receive the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, we stand in these robes. And again, that's priestly language. We stand in these robes, and we are to be priests to the nations. You know, in the same way that the priests stood before, between God and the people, uh, we stand between God and the nations you know, there, there's always this sort of this threefold distinction. There's the outer courts, the holy place, and the holy of holies. The priest is the one who goes in there and stands between. That's the role of the priest, and that's our role today. Our our role, you know, what God has called us to is He's called us to delight in Him and enjoy Him, but then He's called us to proclaim the excellencies of the One who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. How do we do that? We do that in the same way that the priest does it. We do that by, by pointing to the glory and beauty of God. You know, this is why the, the New Testament uses clothing language. You think about Colossians chapter 3, you know, put off all of the deeds of wickedness, put on uh, the, the righteousness of God, compassion, humility. First uh, Peter, uh, again, or is it second Peter? Uh, sorry, uh, somewhere. Oh, it's Titus, actually. Uh <laughs> Titus 2, 7-10 uh, to 10 talks about adorning ourselves with godliness. You know, we, we are to capture people's imaginations in the same way that the priests captured the imaginations of the people of Israel and pointed them to a reality that was beyond themselves. Our lives are to be so adorned, so clothed with beauty and with grace, with winsomeness You know, that's the call that we would adorn our lives with godliness and we would point to the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The priests, they they bore the nation of Israel on their shoulders and on their heart before the presence of God. Are you doing that? Are you bearing your neighbors, the people that you work with, the people that you go to school with, Uh, your family members who don't know Christ, you are their priest. And and it's your responsibility uh, to bear them before the presence of God in prayer, as Alice talked about, you know, as we come together and pray for the world around us. You are to, uh, to bear them before the Lord as you, as you love them well. Like This is what it means for us to be a, a kingdom of priests, is that we have our hearts pierced with sorrow for those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we love Him. We know what He has done for us. And we love them. This is just why you know it's so difficult when we see the church railing against those who don't know Christ. What what do we expect? I mean, the dark is going to be dark until somebody turns the light on. Why rail against them? Why cry out in anger? Instead, bear them on your shoulders and on your heart before the the before the throne of mercy, that mercy seat that we talked about last week. Brothers and sisters, as, as we come to the priesthood, we see so much beauty. We see so much glory. We see such a a, a call. I mean it's amazing to me that this is what God gives us, He says, go be a kingdom of priests. Go stand. You know, bring your, bring your neighbors, your friends, your family member, bring them before me that I may show them mercy. How do we do this? Let's go back to Lisa McMillan, uh, her restaurant, Drexel and Honeybees. She says this. She pours the joy from her soul into her fried chicken, her stewed okra, her tomatoes, her mac and cheese, her pork chops, only to find herself continually refilled. The more you do, the more you're able to do, the richer you become. Not with things or money, but with love, she says. I don't think nothing can top that. She taps into a principle here that is so true. We, we serve and we empty ourselves out, but the Lord continues to refill us because ultimately it's not us, is it? We, we haven't washed our robes. He's washed our robes, and He's made us clean. He ha- we haven't uh, made the sacrifice. He's made the sacrifice, so we can have confidence that the more we pour ourselves out, the more He will continue to refill us. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank You for this, this word and for this picture of the priesthood. Um, Lord, it is uh, such, a, such a colorful picture, <laughs> such a meaningful picture, uh, such a, a promise fulfilled in the person of Jesus. We're so grateful. And and now as you have called us to stand uh, and to serve, to be priests to the world around us, we ask that you would help us to do that with joy, with confidence, to do it in strength that is not our own, uh, but to do it in the strength that comes through your finished and sufficient work. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.